Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. November 15th, and we're here for everything cross-country on today's show. We'll welcome a state champion and national qualifier from Michigan. We'll dive into the week that was. We'll talk some TikTok and running lane, and even maybe some way-too-early predictions for the indoor season to finish things out. I'm Corey Mall here with my wonderful co-hosts, Olivia Ekbenet and Ashley Titians. Uh, if you follow this podcast on our site, make sure to check us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you know, hit that button. I know, I know the, the people say that. Hit the button. Hit the button to subscribe. Uh, and, and also, kind of a new development on our end, we have a TikTok now, officially TikTok. You can follow us at USA Official on TikTok. And, you know, we're, we're trying to pump this up. We have our resident social media expert, Ashley, who <laughs> might help out here. I mean, ladies, how are y'all doing? Doing pretty good. How about you, Corey? Can't complain. I, I saw this. I didn't mention it last show, but I want to mention it here. There is a movie titled On the Line featuring Mel Gibson. <laughs> I, I felt like it was my duty to watch this, and I did. And uh, I, I'm coming back to you, and I'm saying that it was not good. It was not good. I think we're better than that on the line. <laughs> we are better than that. Miles split on the line better than movie on the line. Okay. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. As always, guys, it's a pleasure to see you. And of course, we're going to continue our tradition with having our interview to kick off our show. This weekend, the team national regionals took place across the country. The Midwest regional champion, Helen Sachs, the sophomore from Holland, West Ottawa, is joining us today from Michigan. She was just telling us before the show that it is snowing there. So it's starting to get cooler temperatures across the country. And she won this title with a new personal best of 1647. What a great performance. So, Helen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, nearly 48 hours ago, you had one of the best performances of the year. You broke 17 minutes for 5K for the first time and clocked a new lifetime best. How are you feeling about your performance as a whole? I'm really, really good about it. It's kind of surreal, still kind of sinking in. It was just, it was crazy. The fact that I PR'd and then won the me is insane. Wow. At regionals, this was an opportunity for you to face the best people in the area leading into the national championship. Outside of qualifying, what was the focus for this weekend as you faced the handful of the nation's best cross-country runners this year? Honestly, it was just to compete. Like, I really didn't have any time goals in mind or any places. I just wanted to go out there and compete because – 
I really haven't had any competition all season, so it would be fun to compete with one of the best girls in the country or in the Midwest, so it was fun. Well, you definitely raised the bar for sure, being able to compete against the nation's best and just doing wonderful things this weekend. You also have been consistent this season with being one of the best athletes in Michigan, and you also helped your school to top team finishes as well. How do you feel like you and your team have grown over the last couple months throughout this season? Um, We've gotten a, a lot more dedication. Like We're super dedicated, and we've been working towards the state title for so long. And it was just so cool to see all of our hard work kind of come together on the same day. Like it's rare, but it all came together and it was so cool that that, that happened. <laughs> now, Helen, speaking of your Holland West Ottawa team, you're part of perhaps one of the, you know, most talented one, two punches in all of girls, you know, distance running you and Arian Olsen, you two are <laughs> two of the top runners, you know, from the distance events in the track up to cross country in the country, you know, what's that experience been like, you know, she's a senior and you know, what's it been like to kind of develop, you know, that chemistry and that successful streak that you guys have had. It's super empowering and just cool to like be on the same team and just punching like one, two at each meet. It's just like, it's a crazy feeling. And I'm super grateful to have somebody on my team who I can work out with. Like I'm super like not everybody has that, especially people I'm racing. So I'm just grateful that I have somebody in workouts that I can work out with and who's at kind of the same level. Has there been any, you know, cool lessons or important lessons she's kind of taught you along the way? Um, probably some here and there. I've just kind of learned to just embrace everything and just embrace like the running and just kind of enjoying the moment and not always looking forward to like the next training day or just kind of living in the moment. So that's Helen, looking at Team Midwest, I mean, you locked in your spot to, to Team Nationals, but Holland West Ottawa is fourth. So you're in that at-large candidate pool, which is kind of mm -hmm. nervy because you, you may be able to get in, but you kind of have to wait to see how everything shakes out. What are your feelings right now of this team and the, the place that you're in? Are you kind of just hopeful that maybe you get that at-large? Yeah, I'm really hopeful for the at-large bid. It'd be such a cool experience. And We've had a great season. Like we've done things that our school has never done before and we've accomplished a lot of things. So I'm excited to see what that would do for us, but I am hopeful for the bid. So, yeah. Yeah. Nine, nine regions. So it's kind of tough, uh, especially since the team's in the fourth position, but I will say the Midwest typically is considered one of the best in the country. So I think it has been done before where they've taken three and four, but you just kind of have to wait. Uh, you know, now you, you live, uh, in Holland, which I believe is West of Grand Rapids and it's right by Lake Michigan. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Right. by it. What's the running environment like where you live? What are some of the cool things you like about it? Um, so I actually live right off of Lakeshore drive that kind of goes right along the lake. So I, it's super great, um, sidewalks and paths all around super safe, which is really nice and nice for my parents too. And during the winter, it's kind of struggle running in the snow but and we have downtown holland which has the heated sidewalks so miles like 4.5 miles or something of heated sidewalks so that's super nice to utilize that in the winter that's like 75 percent of the time in michigan <laughs> what's a heated sidewalk i've never heard of that <laughs> that's before. my question what is too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they have they run like during the winter months they run like hot water under sidewalks in downtown holland and it melts the snow so it's called snow melt 
And I know Hope College utilizes it a lot, but yeah, a lot of workouts are done on the snow melt during the winter seasons to get off ice and snowy, icy roads. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So yeah. I'm curious now, every runner has their go-to path or trail. What What's your go-to or your favorite trail uh, where you live? Probably heading, probably heading north on Lakeshore Drive, just kind of going up the rolling rolling hills and being right next to the water. It's super cool. Oh, I bet it's beautiful up there. So Helen, you are a sophomore, as we mentioned, this is your second year of running high school track and field. What has your freshman year taught you about yourself? Um, I can push myself. Like I can, I can go to my limits and I feel like freshman year, it was just a good year to kind of feel it out. And like, I was accomplishing some pretty good things. So that was fun to see, but I was just kind of coming to my sophomore year ready to do bigger and better things. So that was exciting. Now you're right now in your second season of cross country in high school, but I have to ask, do you prefer cross country or track? Oh, it's such a debated question. Honestly, <laughs> right now I'm probably going to say cross country. I okay. Like cross. Why is that? Why is that? Um, probably just, I like adjusting to the courses, like not, every single cross-country course is the same but if I'm thinking on the track side every track is the same which means all the times are going to be the same because like times in cross-country courses vary like a lot so because yep. like some are short and some are long and track is all the same distance but I feel like right now it's probably cross-country just like a different course every time is always pretty fun for sure nice answer there uh all right so here's a hypothetical for you you're given the opportunity to have coffee or tea with any runner uh, in the world or athlete. Who would you want to get tea or coffee with? I'd probably say Emma Coburn. She's just such an idol and I love her cookbooks and she just sets such a good role model for everybody. So probably I'd get tea with her. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, are you, do you like the steeple? Are you going to be a steepler down the road? Is that something you would try? I don't know. This steeplechase definitely piques my interest. Right now, we're sticking with distance, but it's definitely something I want to try out. Okay, fair. Uh, all right. Top three songs uh, to get you pumped up for, you know, your races. What, what do you, what's your go-to song ahead of a, a big race? Oh, probably. I know our team kind of has a playlist. It'd probably be Fireball by Pitbull. It's always kind of a pump-up jam. <laughs> and if we're talking about we're talking about warm-up songs, it's definitely got to be like Encanto. Like we don't talk about Bruno or something. Like the Disney ones, those you can never go wrong. I love the range nice. there. <laughs> no, there is there is a lot of range. We have specific music for specific times. So like for warm-ups, we'll have Disney music. Pre-race, it'll be like rap threshold workouts is like <laughs> pop music like we have very regimented music <laughs> that is so awesome i have a follow-up question for you about emma coburn's cookbook because i actually have it myself what is your favorite recipe from from that cookbook there's so many good recipes i don't know i really I know. like the orange zucchini bread the orange zucchini bread is really good and right now the pumpkin spice muffins i'm kind of in like the warm kind of food that that's probably my favorite too. Okay. I'll have to check those out. I am obsessed with the, the turmeric chicken. I don't know if you tried that oh, yes. or the coconut. Yes. It's so good. And the coconut curry that she has is 
Fantastic. So if you've not tried that, highly recommend it. All right, Helen, before we let you go, speaking of food, I have one last question for you. Thanksgiving is literally around the corner. Does your family have any special traditions? Do you cook your own dish? Like what does, what does that look like in the Sachs household? Um, usually we cook our own Thanksgiving. We're actually having some extended family come over to our house. Usually we actually spend Thanksgiving on an island up north called Beaver Island, but with um, Champs, is it Champ Sports now, I think? Yeah, it's Champ yeah. Sports yeah. Regionals around the corner. We're going to have to kind of stick local. So yeah, we'll have family come over and kind of make your own Thanksgiving dinners and it'll be fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Helen, you got Champ Sports Regional coming up. Best of luck there and fantastic work this past weekend at <laughs> Team uh, Midwest. Thank you for being Thank with you. us. Thank you yes. for being with us and, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Yes. Thank you. All right. That was a wonderful interview with Helen Sachs of Holland West Ottawa. We're going to move on now to the week. That was our uh, tradition here at on the line. We're going to talk about what happened over the weekend and I'm going to toss it to Olivia first. Oh my goodness, Corey and Ashley, there was so much that happened over this weekend, but I'm going to kick things off in New York for the New York State Championships. A lot of things unfolded there. I'm gonna start off with the girls' Class A Championships first. Zariel Machia is an athlete we've been talking about for such a long time from William Floyd High School. She took the victory here over a ninth place finish last year as a freshman. She clocked an 18.02. That equaled a 152 speed rating. And Taylor Joe had a chance to catch up with her after her race and just kind of some feedback. Zariel felt pretty good throughout the race. She's been working a lot on her speed this season and definitely wanted to showcase it at the state championships. And she also announced on her during the interview, she will be, she's looking forward to competing at the running lane cross country championships and also qualifying for the champ sports as well. So she's a lot of great goals that are going to be underneath her. She moves forward toward the postseason, and she's just grateful to be able to compete against some of not only the state's fastest cross country runners, but also nationally across the board. Coming in second was Lily Bogdan, the sophomore from Frontier with an 18-18, but also we should highlight the third place finisher, which was Emily Bush. We've been talking about Saratoga Springs over the last few weeks, and Emily Bush led that team to a victory. Saratoga Springs finished third 5th, 7th, 9th, and 14th, which included Emily Bush, Sheridan Wheeler, Alicia Hart, McKinley Wheeler, and Anya Balil, who was actually an 8th grader. So this team finished with an 1848 average. Saratoga Springs won the title with 23 points over Fayetteville Malleus, who scored 79 points. Now looking into the Class B for the girls, Carrie Beloga of Cornwall, this was such a special race for her because she has not won a state championship up until this point. So her last season, she's a senior. She's going to Colorado next year, and she won her first cross-country state championship title there. Her goal going into this race was to have the fastest time of the day, and she achieved that with clocking a 17.49. She helped Cornwall to a second-place team finish. They were shooting for the gold there, but just settled for 78 points behind Save Bills 49. But the team is also in great spirits. Summers finished third there with 83 points. Now, I want to shift over to the Class A division here. This was one of the closest races of the day. You have Solomon Holden Betts from Baldinsville, who won the title in a 1606, earned a 190 speed rating. After uh, the, the race, he had a chance to also talk with Taylor Joe, and he said there were a lot of difficult parts during this race, but he just kept reminding himself 
through all the prep that he has been doing leading up to this point, it's going to help him to get across the finish line. And last year, you know, he was focusing on his mindset. That has been the biggest shift for him going into the state championships. And that's what helped him to improve from his 11th place finish last year. Ethan Green of Arlington was second with a 1609. Colin Gilstrap of Monroe Woodbury finished third with a 1611. What was interesting about the boys' team race here is five teams scored under 100 points. You have Corning that finished with the team title, 1657 average, with 60 points. Monroe Woodbury finished second there with 77 points. Northport with 85, Fairport with 90, and Saratoga Springs finished up with 99 points. Corning finished seventh, 18th, 32nd, 35th, and 37th, and they were led by senior Ashton Banch, who clocked a 1619. And just to kind of recap the Class B boys race, six boys ran under 17 minutes. You have Maximus Hania of West Hampton Beach won this race with a 16.09. Patrick Ford finished second with a 16.29. And Colin Brown from McQuaid finished with a 16.47. So it was an ultimate, just a great performance out in New York. And I'm going to kick it off to Ashley, who's going to talk about the Virginia State Championships. Yes, that's right. Let's stay on the East Coast here. We had some action going down in Virginia over the weekend. Here we have the Virginia Classic Say race where you had Jillian Boucher of Herndon. She pulls away late from Thais Raleigh to win the title here in 1817, her first XC title of her career. She takes down Raleigh, who is the 2020 champion. She ended up taking second in 1845. There she is there finishing. She told um, Milestats Nolan Jez afterward that the key for her was really using those downhills to her advantage to build a gap. Then we look at the boys' side. You have... Nathan Achu of Franklin County, he takes the win in 15:43 by three seconds over Isaac Garcia, was able to build a lead there toward the end of the race to take that win by three seconds. He told Nolan afterward as well that it's been a rough season for him. He had COVID during the middle of the season, so he's had to bounce back from that, but his best performance of the day came when it mattered at State's. Looking at those team titles as well for 6A, you had West Springfield. They took the girls' title with 51 points. On the boys' side, it was the favorite W.T. Woodson, who indeed came away with that team title win. And then looking at some of the other class results, too, as well, let's look at 4A, where you had the Blacksburg boys' and girls' teams. They swept the podium for the team race in 4A. They weren't the favorites going in, either in the boys' or the girls', but they take away those wins there. Connor Rutherford on the boys' side for Blacksburg also took the individual title win in 1546. And then if you look at the 5A race, some close team title races you had Deep Run, who won the girls' title with 58 points, which is just six ahead of Glen Allen. And then Glen Allen, they finished runner-up in the girls, but they took the win in the boys' team title, won by four points there, with a total score of 53 points just over Clover Hill. And now we're just going to keep going down south, so we're going to go to South Carolina with Corey. Down south to Southern <laughs> Charm area, Southern Charm territory. Uh, the state championships in South Carolina took place last Thursday, and the two key races that I'll talk about are the 5A divisions. You know, on the girls' side, it was pretty top-heavy with youth. When you look at the overall winner, Olivia Cleveland, freshman from Fort Mill, she won in 1830. While you go down the ladder there in third place, Kendra Miles, an eighth grader from Lexington, was third in 1859. Five underclassmen in the girls' 5A race were in the top 10 of this overall championship, which speaks to how you know, the youth is starting to turn the corner in South Carolina. Now, on the boys' side, it was a really, really big day for Wando High School 
and Jake Liebert in particular, the junior for Wando. He made a big, big statement with this race, winning uh, his second straight state title in South Carolina with a time of 15-13. But that wasn't only it. Wando also uh, won that team title on on the the end of Liebert's win, and they posted 41 points uh, posting the win over Fort Mill High School. Liebert said afterward, it's been my goal ever since I came to Wando, and it's been a dream come true to win both. So big moment there for Jake Liebert. Uh, He's only a junior, and this is pretty scary to see because the the form that he's showing right now uh, is is leading, I think, me to to see that he he could be one of the best runners in South Carolina history. Already this season, he ran 14.54 to set the ninth best time in South Carolina history, and I think him going to running lane on December 3rd, he has a chance to potentially down South Carolina's top time of 1437. That was run in 1999 from David Adams. So I think he definitely has an opportunity down the road there to do that. We're going to move next to our, our regional actions. We're going to go first to the Northwest and Olivia. Yes, let's go to Boise, Idaho. Let's talk about the boys' side first. We've been talking about this young talent for a while now from Crater High School out in Oregon, Tyrone Gorzy led the way here at the Northwest Regional Meet, 1451. He was the only athlete to break 15 minutes for 5K on this course, uh, clocked a 198 speed rating, and along the way, he took down the Eagle Island course record. Weston Brown clocked a 1503 for second, Nathan Neal with a 1505, uh, Jacob Ninau, 1505, and Alexander Garcia Silver with a 1506. That kind of rounds out your top five there. And interesting enough, all the top five runners on the boys scored over 192 speed ratings over the weekend. What's interesting also, Gorzy led Crater to the team title as well with 75 points with a 1536 average over Jesuit, who earned a 101 points with a 1544 average. Mountain, Rocky Mountain was third with 129 points. Just looking at the girls' side, there were four of them who dipped under 18 minutes for 5K, but the one that took the victory from Skyline High School out in Washington was Anna Callahan, and she clocked a 17.35. She finished five seconds ahead of Logan Hofstey, who ran a 17.40. Mila Roberts was third with a 17.49. And Emily Winowski finished fourth there with a 17.53. Rounding out your top five was Barrett Justima, who ran in 18.04 and led Summit to the team title with 58 points. Jesuit was second with 77. Boise was third with 153. So it was just amazing performances across the board for both the boys and the girls side at the Northwest Regional Meet in Idaho. I'm going to pass it off to Ashley, who's going to talk about the Heartland Regional Meet as well. Yes, guys, I think looking at the Heartland region, dare I say that this may have been one of the biggest upsets we've seen of the season on the boys' side? I don't know, maybe. We had one of the races of the weekend with, and you know, in the boys' race at Heartland, you have Jackson Heidish. He takes down Simeon Birnbaum, our silent hawk, by two-tenths of a second, running 14.39 for the win there to Simeon Birnbaum's 14.39.2. That's a very big upset on the boys' side. Heidish helped... Dowling Catholic to a third place finish as a team there. And then if you look at the guys behind them, they were, you know, you have Ford Washburn, a fellow Iowa star. He had the race for his career, finishing third in 14.41.6. When you're looking at the individual qualifiers with the, um, you know, the automatic qualifier to nationals, you have Heidish, Birnbaum, Washburn, Noah Brecker from Minnesota, and then Colby King. And then looking at the team's race for the boys, it was Wayzetta who easily won with 125 points. 
Stevens Point in Wisconsin gets second there. Just a 35-second split for those winners there for their one through five. So that's a pretty impressive, you know, performance in a big competitive field like that. Now on the girls' side, it was much of the same that we've already seen all season. We saw Abby Nekineki take the win here, 1644.7 for a 154 speed rating. Then it was Peyton Noe, who, you know, she's been a star in Iowa on the girls' side. She takes to the course and gets second just over 17 minutes there. Looking at the individual qualifiers there, you got Abby Nekineki. She gets the bid through her team because Wayzata ended up getting first place there as a team. So then the next five behind her are Noe. You have Jade Ripkema of Nevis, Sydney Drevlo of Hopkins, Nora Hoshagan of Forest Lake, and Allie Bainbridge of um, Sioux Falls Lincoln. And then looking at the teams, like I mentioned, it was a sweep of the team title, the boys and girls side, from those Minnesota State champions. The girls were particularly dominant there, and they won with 65 points. And then it was Olathe West out of Kansas that took second with a stellar 43-second, one-through-five spread there. So that was pretty impressive. So, say the least, Heartland was very, very, very entertaining. And now we got Corey wrapping up regional action with the Midwest. Yeah, Ashley, you know, one one quick thought on the Heartland region. I, I do agree it was a pretty crazy surprise, but the biggest – runner i think that kind of came out of nowhere was ford washington washburn of iowa Green. city yeah. i mean he i think he was leading late in the race and for him to come up third against these two heavyweights i think that was a really strong indication of just how good that he he ran that day um but heading into the midwest here it was a a rather historic day at laverne gibson where five boys athletes went under the previous course record formerly held of Futsum zenalasi Eight of them broke 15 minutes on the day overall. And, you know, the star of the day was Benzie Central's Hunter Jones, who went head-to-head with Southern Boone County's Connor Burns down the stretch. It was an awesome race to the finish. And Hunter clocked an astounding 14 minutes, 21.8 seconds. That was just historic. And we're going to go to an interview that was uh, done with Hunter after the race and hear what he had to say. Hunter Jones, 14-22, I think it was. Uh, man, dude, that's obliterating the course record. Um, I don't think anybody expected that today. That's a pretty legendary record um, today. Were you expecting to run this fast? No, not at all, especially because the conditions this morning, you know, all the snow and stuff. So I was really like, well, you know, I wasn't expecting a PR, but I PR'd by 10 seconds here, so I feel very fortunate for that, so... I know, I know your buddy, your training partner, at some points this summer, Dylan Nally took out the, the pace a little bit hot. Yeah. Um, you know, 429 through the mile. Um, what were you kind of thinking when you saw that on the clock? You know, I was a bit surprised because I had more in the tank, so I just kept pushing and kept pushing, and I found myself in contention for that lead late in the race, so I knew I couldn't probably beat him in a sprint because he's a, he's a 358-miler, yeah. Connor is, so... I knew if I wanted to beat him, I had to just follow his long kick because he went at about 4K uh-huh. and then kick it in at the end past him. So, so I did, and it worked out for me. And PR too, so. Yeah, I don't know. Hunter Jones has pretty significant kick on his own, so I could, I could see him going for sub four this year too. I mean, it was just an outstanding race altogether. Connor Burns, 1427.80. Benny Anderson, uh, a really great showing, 1429. Connor Ackley, 1429. Cole Matisson, 1447. 
A total of 40 boys ran under 1530 on this course on the day. And I just want to get a quick feedback from both of you. Uh, I'll go to you first, Ashley. What, what were your initial thoughts upon seeing just how fast this ran? I remember I was I like pulled up the live results because I knew it was happening. And I think my jaw actually dropped when I saw all these times because you just look down the list when you have three. Well, I mean, that many guys, you know, under just 1430. I mean, that's insane. And the fact that Hunter Jones obliterated the course record by over 20 seconds. That's just that's something you don't see every day. Like, that's just crazy. And, you know, I I want to mention, too, just like. Kudos to Hunter Jones, man. Like, if you look at the, you know, some of the the footage, if you see footage out there of the finish, like, that is some true guts right there. I mean, he hunted down, you know, like he said, a 358 miler in Connor Burns, and he just, you know, ran past him. So, overall, I mean, just, I guess my reaction is just, wow, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia? Similar to Ashley's reaction, I was kind of shocked as well. Hearing 429 for the first mile, you're like, what is going on here? It's insane. It was just blazing fast. And as Ashley mentioned, like the footage that's out there on the finish, it it, it took a lot, a lot, a lot from Hunter Jones there just to, you know, and it's not like he took down someone we we're not familiar with. Like we're talking about Connor Burns. And as he mentioned, a 358 miler. So it just took a lot of guts down that home stretch to get after and grab that solidify, you know, that victory there. So it was just astonishing. Wow. Was my reaction as well. It was just, I couldn't wrap my head around it over the weekend, to be honest with you. Yeah. And Illinois mile splits editor, Tony Jones was on the course that day, along with his uh, contributor, Carson Vittorio, who did the interview with Hunter Jones and Tony uh, saw both of those guys at the three mile marker and they were under 14 minutes for three miles. So Laverne Gibson doesn't traditionally run very fast, right? Only a few guys in history have gone under 15 minutes. So for, for, for them to do this to this extent over 20 seconds uh, better than the course record, it was just a, a very historic day, like to say the least. We we don't want to use remarkable too often because then it becomes just an also ran word. But like this was remarkable in the very essence of it. Now on the team front, I think everything went haywire as a result of that. You know, Illinois dominated. Hinsdale Central, which finished second to Plainfield South at the state championships, actually ended up winning this meet in a very, very good big way. Daniel Watke was their lead runner there. Plainfield South, uh, the top-seeded team from Illinois was second. Downers Grove South, also from Illinois, was third. Who was left out? That was Carmel, which was a top-five team on our miles but 50 rankings. They had uh, not the greatest of days, uh, but that just goes to show anything can happen on these championship days. Now, we talked at Helen Sox on the girls' side. She won in 15-23, a really great outing for her. Her teammate, Arian Olsen, was eighth. Um, so they will be waiting, potentially, to get an at-large if that, that works out. Uh, Grace Shaker... Tatum David, Lily Cridge, Sophia Kennedy, all four of these girls also qualified on the day. You know, Lily just ran at the Indiana State Championships recently, so that was her second time in a few weeks. So she just got the the the, the ticket there. And I just wanted to mention with Sophia, this girl uh, is has a really great story. I mean, if you look at her resume, over the last two years, she has one win to her name. But she she went to East Bay last year. She's she's a, a nationally elite runner and who doesn't often win. 
But it, but if you look at a resume, you'll see behind the lines, it's worth more than that because she's been a top five placer at the Indiana State Championships all four seasons. Uh, last year, she was a top three finisher at East Bay. I mean, here she's top five at a team regional. She just knows how to be in those positions to get, you know, you know, uh, national qualifiers or just big finishes. So much respect to Sophie Kennedy on that performance. Now on the girls' side, Prospect once again beat York in a really big matchup. 52 points to 73 points, but those two teams will again see themselves at Team Nationals on December 3rd. Uh, Hillary Davidson was third with 187 points, and as I said uh, originally, Holland Westlado was fourth. So um, really big day on the, the Midwest front. Now we are going to finish out our, our, our weekly review, and we are going to go next to just some odds and ends that have happened more recently and I'll take this section here. Now, just yesterday on Monday, the Louisiana State Championships took place in, uh, I think it's called Nagatoches, uh, some some weird names there in Louisiana town. So forgive me if I got that wrong. But the Jesuit boys, we obviously have been talking about them all year long. Uh, you know, a number two team on a mile split 50. They go into the state championships, and guess what? They put down a perfect score, 15 points, one, two, three, four, five, at the at Division One Championships, that is epic, epic. Now, um, I did see online that Catholic High may have done this before back in the seventies, but th- this is Jesuits' year. I mean, clearly, and from the first mile, the second mile, and third mile, they were one, two, three, four, five. So, just an incredible showing uh, from the number two team in the country. Any thoughts on you know how the boys did? And I'll go to Olivia. Just an impressive performance. It's not, you know, it's very difficult to get that perfect score of 15 points. And the fact that they were able to just put it together on that day. And like you said, the last time they've done this was in the 70s. Is that right, Corey? Uh, Yeah, potentially, yes. Yeah, so it's just to show, like the commitment that this team has and how much work that they've been putting in this season. And it all worked out at the end of the day, coming away with the the state title. So congratulations to them. Yeah. Ashley, you saw Jesuit uh, with, with me, you know, when we were filming that, that, Mm -hmm. um, that, that documentary on them, Um, probably not surprising to you that these guys all put it together. Yeah. I was going to say, honestly, like this, it doesn't come as much of a surprise to me. I kind of, it was almost an expectation to see them do something like this. If you look just at Louisiana as a whole, they're so dominant in that state. I mean, they're ranked number two nationally and, you know, just interacting with the kids as well. You know, when Corey and I went down to new Orleans, like they're just locked in, like they have had, you know, this has been a goal for them to have, you know, a showing like that at States and then to now go to running lane in a couple of weeks and have hopefully another historic showing they're hoping for. I mean, I think just now it's like all the, you know, all those pieces are coming together and they're seeing the reaps of, you know, all that training, you know, it's finally like they're yeah. getting the rewards of it, you know? Yeah. Team average of 1503 for three miles. Jack DeRoach has won the overall mate. Brady Mullen was second and he was also under 15 minutes. Really great showing overall. The next uh, to get to is Newberry Park, who ran at the CIF Southern Section prelims recently and um, there were a few runners out. Aaron Solman uh, did not compete. Dev Dosh, did not compete. Uh, Hector Martinez did not c- compete. But they went with uh, Leo Lex Young, 
and Brain Seymour, and they they still like this is Newberry Park. They dominated. They went oh, one, two, three, and then they went eight and ten to finish with twenty four points at the Southern Section. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do through the postseason and and into the state championships, which is the last weekend of of November. So Newberry Park still hunting for a, a record run uh, coming up, but they they performed very very well uh, recently at the CAF uh, Southern Section. All right, uh, we are moving now to Olivia's popcorn moment of the week. How are we doing? So it, it was a fantastic weekend, as you mentioned, Corey. But this is something that Ashley and I found together. It's an awesome b- video uh, that was posted by the Mossplit Tennessee. So shout out to Ben for this great clip here. Over the weekend, it's a it's a view of a drone with Brentwood Academy just cheering on this runner with the massive flags in celebration. So let's take a look at this video here. coordination i think that's fantastic stuff right (laughs) yes imagine just like running and you're seeing like these flags just running alongside of you like that that would just help me to keep pushing all the way through the finish line so that is the popcorn moment of the weekend heck yeah and we're gonna continue with this theme of fun uh videos uh, as we go to our tiktok segment ashley that's right. We kicked it off the popcorn moment of the week, and now we're going to look at some more TikToks. So we're going to start, let's, you know, some of the top three TikToks of the weekend that I saw. I want to start first with Wayzata. So they've been, you know, they had a great performance at Heartland. They swept the boys and girls team titles. And here you have the girls team, you know, celebrating the win. Anybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win? I guess we'll never know. Like that's a that's a big flex so there. <laughs> so that's what you call a mic drop. Yes. Yes. That was a mic drop. That was mic. Well, drop. I guess. Right yeah. Basically, yes. Without the physical mic. Anyways, but you know, fun little video there. Next, we're gonna go to. So I know we're at the most important sport in the season right now is cross country, but I will acknowledge it's also football season as well. And this video here caught my eye because. This referee may be one of the fastest referees I've ever seen. He's got some track speed. Let's take a look. Baby, but you want to be bad just I still think this is fake. I what, think what that's makes you real. Think it's, fake? it's real. That looks Fake. No ref How? is gonna go. No, no ref's gonna hit the burners on the field when when the guys run toward the uh, the end zone. I just it looks fake. See, I want to know how old this referee is first off, and if you know he's still young, maybe he has a mile split account out there. I want to know his name. I want to see his profile. I want to see his stats because yo, that actually speaks to why it could more. be fake. It could be fake because in the referee game, not a lot of young guys in that in that business. So. You know, I don't never see know, though, you many 20 year olds being football officials. I don't know, though. I mean, shoot, when I was 16, I was a basketball referee in my, you know, my church league basketball. See why? See why league? OK. So you never know. All right. Uh, all right. Now, lastly, 
I have to give, you know, us a shout out here. Our team, we started, as we mentioned earlier to begin the show, we started our official TikTok account. And here is the first video we posted. I think it's kind of funny. It's from the Virginia State Meet this weekend. Let's look at it. When you win the race and your mom goes wild. who we mentioned earlier won the classics they meet that that fan was very excited for her win absolutely yeah and just to, just to qualify i don't know actually if that is her mom but like <laughs> who else would have jumped up like that that had to be the mom right either a mom or a friend or just someone who's really excited about <laughs> her getting the win there yeah so that was pretty cool and i'll put in another plug here go follow us on tiktok mile split usa official we'll be posting more to it I'm excited, you know, me and my social media. I can't wait to make some cool videos. So be sure to look at it. Yeah, and if you have a video uh, that you think is funny and you want it to be featured, send yeah. it to us and we'll definitely take note of that too. All right, that was fun stuff. We're going to move now to our, our national championship section uh, of things here on the show. We're going to talk about the Garmin Running Lane XC Championships coming up on December 3rd in John at John Hunt Park in Huntsville, Alabama. It's going to be live on Mile Split. I think things are shaping up incredibly well uh, for this race yet again, third installment. Now, we're going to talk about contenders, national championship contenders, both on the boys' and the girls' sides right here. Registration is still open, but we do have a very significant list of athletes already entered. So we're going to go into it on the boys' side. Uh, some particulars that we'll talk about who are in in the running, let's say. Christian Grondike of Fort Collins, Brennan Draper of Chaparral, Ethan Rashid Cocker of Toronto, Ontario, Jack DeRoches of Jesuit, Brian DeCola of Hapor Hersham, Drew Griffith of Butler, and David Moore of Lubbock, Monterey. All those guys could potentially you know, win this race on a good day. So I want to go to Olivia first. What are your thoughts on on this boys' championship race? Corey, as you mentioned, this is the third installment of the Running Lane Cross Country Championships. And without a doubt, we have some amazing competitors that are going to be lining up, looking to grab the title here. One athlete in particular, I know you had a chance to talk with him earlier this season from Toronto, Canada. We're going to have Ethan Rashid Cocker that's going to come down from Toronto to Huntsville looking to grab a title here. He's one of the handful of boys who have a C time faster than 1440 for 5K. This year, he's clocked a 6K time of 1730, which roughly converts down to 1435. So he's going to be someone that is looking, just looking for the competition. He, I know you had a chance, like I mentioned, Corey, to talk with him. He's just super excited just about facing the nation's best at running lane. Corey, is there anything you would like to add on Ethan as he, you know, as the time ticks down for us to, you, you know, go over to Huntsville? I'm excited to see him run for, for one. Uh, we did have a runner from Canada compete last year, uh, I think, in, in maybe, maybe the championship section. And Ethan actually was scheduled to run last year as well, but he just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then he eventually saw how big it was, and he was like, darn it, I should have done that. Uh, so this year he's not going to you know second guess it. He's going to Huntsville. And he did tell me that he is a front runner uh, in, in Toronto, in, in that Ontario area where he, he competes. Um, so traditionally, he likes to lead. I, I think it might be a little different from him this year because he doesn't really know a lot of our American talent. But I could very well see him trying to kind of push the pace and um, 
you know, potentially we could get our first Canadian winner here at, at Roman League too. That'd be really interesting. I love that. So alongside of him, we, as Corey mentioned, we have Christian Grondyke, who's going to be a part of the mix here from Fort Collins out in Colorado. This is a guy who's won the Liberty Bell. He won the last six cross-country races that he's competed in, including Liberty Bell, as I mentioned, where he set a personal best of 1448. He's also your 5A Colorado state champion with the 1513. Now, I know Ashley's going to dive into this matchup, but we're going to see another PA battle between Brian DeCola and Drew Griffith as well. DeCola is your PA state champion with the 1524, and Griffith was second with the 1535. So with that being said, Ashley, talk about this matchup. Like, Two Pennsylvania guys coming to Huntsville. How do you think this is going to turn out? Yeah, Olivia, I, this is, you know, when you look at the entries, this is one of the most intriguing storylines that, you know, I'm really excited to see go down in Huntsville. And, you know, like you mentioned, you had, um, you know, Brian DeCola, he did get the state title recently over Drew Griffith, but they are two of the top guys to ever run in Pennsylvania. You know, DeCola got the best of Griffith at States, and he's the Paul Short Run course record holder and the Hershey State Meet course record holder as well. But then you have Griffith. I mean, he ran for the fourth fastest all time on that course at States. So, I mean, he's like right up there with DeCola. You know, they, again, they're two talents that I look at, and I think they can, they really push each other. I'll be really curious to see how that, you know, kind of friendly competition plays out once, you know, they have other guys around them as well. So, um, you know, especially on a fast course like the one in Huntsville. Um, I think they could, you know, run some really fast times. Is there anyone else you kind of want to mention besides the the PA matchup 2.0 version? Yeah, yeah. Also, um, some other guys that caught my eye, if you look at the entries, I'll point out a bunch. We have a bunch of state champs that are going to be going down to Huntsville. You have Ty Stewart's from West Virginia. Jake Liebert, like we mentioned earlier, I think I agree with Corey. I think this guy could you know, potentially be a stud down the line. He's your South Carolina Class 5A state champ this past weekend. You have Clay Shively, who was the 3A state champ in Kansas. And then I'll briefly mention, too, I know we just talked about them as well and kind of our odds and ends, but the top team, Jesuit, they just posted that perfect score there in Louisiana. And, again, I, you know, we, Corey and I went down to New Orleans, saw them working out and training and stuff, and I'm really excited to see them hit the course. I think we'll dive into teams uh, pretty uh, significantly next week. But um, I agree on the state championship runners here. Um, along with who you said, we also David Moore won a Texas title this year. Hudson Betts right. won one in mm-hmm. Arkansas. Nathan Atchew just won one in Virginia. Cooper Wasson uh, in Kentucky won a, a homeschool meet. And then Owen Clemens, the freshman phenom from Tennessee, also won. So um, while you know, some of the, the, the bigger – names that we typically talk about might be going to Nike. Uh, we have state championships galore uh, coming yep. to running lane. And uh, I think, you know, when we look at the the boys race, it's just, to me, it, it, you could have any kind of, um, I think, uh, situational uh, thing happen on race day. Anything can happen on race day. Last year, 75 boys in the championship race broke 15 minutes. A total of 79 overall uh, went under 15 on the day last year. That's just incredible. Now, if you look at our, our entries already for, for running lane, um, you have a total of 99 runners uh, based on seat times who have gone under 1520. You put them on this course, I think magic can happen again in, in 2022. So I think it's kind of hard to predict a front runner on my end. If I had to choose someone, I think I'm going with Brian DeCola here because, you know, winning against a really A-level talent in Drew Griffith is a huge 
I think, uh, you know, bullet, like notch on the belt for Decola. He, he, he won a big race. And I think you put him in, in this situation again. He races very smartly. He, he isn't a front runner, but he's going to be there at the end and he'll, and he'll hunt you down. So I actually like Brian Decola in this race altogether. But um, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in a couple of weeks in, in Huntsville, Alabama. Let's go over to the girls championship race, which is also loaded with a ton of great talent. Zariel Macchio of William Floyd, as Olivia mentioned earlier in the show, is going to be there. Peyton Godsey of Oge Christian, California. Reagan Riley of Mountain Brook, Alabama. Katie Clute of Olmsted Falls. Allie Zeeland of, of Pacers Home School. Gretchen Farley of Park Tudor. Sydney Morell of Cheyenne Central, Wyoming. And Addison Price of Cherry Creek, uh, Colorado. All great runners in their own respects. Ashley, I will go to you first. What kind of race do you feel like is going to happen on the girls' side? Yeah, and I think kind of like what you mentioned with the the guys field, it's kind of hard to pick a quote unquote front runner like who hypothetically is probably going to be the favorite to win. Because if you just look at the list of entries, like it's it's stacked again, just like the guy side. And, you know, but, you know, pointing out some of the top seeds, your top seed going in is going to be Addison Price of Cherry Creek. When you factor in that altitude conversion, she'll be one of those front runners there, along with her teammate, Emily Cohen, Um, you know. Like you mentioned, Corey, there's just a slew of girls. You know, we have state champions. You have, um, you know, Reagan Riley of Alabama. She was your Alabama state champ. She's a Notre Dame signee. You have Zariel Machia, Katie Clute, who's the Oregon signee, and she's been doing some great things in Ohio this season. I feel like there's a lot of momentum going in her favor. Sydney Morrell, she was a Wyoming state champion. I mean, like, just the list goes on. Again, like, I think there are a lot of girls in this field, just like the guys where – they're the best in their respective states, and it's really just going to come down to which of the best in each respective state is going to be the best in the nation when it boils down to it. Um, Olivia, I think you're going to dive a little bit more into um, Addison Price and Cherry Creek as well. Yeah, as both of you guys mentioned, it's I don't have a clear favor right now. I feel like there's too many names that are stacked that have just have a resume full of accomplishments just from this season alone that can really grab the title. And I just don't know what that looks like. I know we're going to dive deeper into the team side, but just to kind of give you a preview, like I'm excited to see what the Cherry Creek girls do. I think this is very interesting. The boys team competed at the team nationals Northwest region and finished fourth. But as Ashley mentioned, you're going to have Addison price who finished third at the Liberty bell with a 1653 personal best. She also finished 23rd at the Colorado five, a state championship. So I'm, I'm assuming she's going to be looking to improve on that performance from her state championship, but it's just going to be so exciting to see how this girl's race unfolds. Cause you got, as we mentioned, Addison price, Zariel Machia mentioned after the New York state championship, she's, she's going to be going to running lane as uh, Ashley mentioned to race from Alien, and she clocked to 1723 this season. Then you also have Katie Clute amongst them, amongst the field here from Ohio. She's coming off the, of the Ohio state championships with a 1725 solo effort. So what I'm looking forward to with Katie, and I feel like this is going to be an interesting individual in this mix. She's been undefeated this whole entire season. And now she's really going to be able to face that national competition. She ran a 1702 for 5k back in September. So She's going to be looking to really go after it. And I think she's going to have a great opportunity to lower her time, get a fast time in, and face some really great competition. So this girl's side, similar to the boys, I just don't know who's grabbing this title right now. It's just there's a lot of amazing talent going to Huntsville. 
And I, I do agree that Katie Clute is among the favorites in this field. Uh, she ran here last year. Uh, she ran 17-14 on the course, but she's much better than she was a year ago. Her fitness and her form show that. Uh, uh, 10, 10 straight wins, as you said, on the season is a great record. And Katie Clute put up against Reagan Riley and 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 all these other girls like Peyton Gotze. I think we have the potential here to go under, six, uh, under 17 minutes. Uh, no one in the entries right now has done that yet, but I think we could get a handful. Now we might not be heading towards, you know, 1603, like Natalie Cook ran last year or even under 1610, but I think we could get a host of girls under 17 minutes here because it is, you know, one of their final races of the season. Now, if I had to guess on who I think might be the overall favorite, I'm going to toss it to mountain Brooks, Reagan Riley. She, she had a great season this year. And she, she ran a, a lot of different meets. She had a lot of versatility to her season. Uh, Mountainburg actually went out to Washington to run at Hole in the Wall. So they, they ran out west to get that experience. They ran at Southern Showcase. And as you see here in the picture, Reagan Wiley won at the Southern Showcase. Um, she's run 17 flat on this course last year. That was how she ended the 2021 season. So I think Reagan Riley is, is tailor-made for this race. I mean... Alabama, uh, no, no girl from Alabama has won it yet. It's been Jenna Hutchins from Tennessee, and we had a Texan last year. So, you know, at some point you got you got to represent the state. And so, I think Reagan Riley uh, is on that path here too. I think the only other wild card for me, which you know, I, I could I could see her contending. I don't really know where she might fall, uh, but that's Gretchen Farley of Park Tudor. Uh, I talked to her this weekend, um, and she she has a busy busy schedule. This girl. Uh, both played soccer over the fall. She ended her year with a state championship and a goal in that state championship game. Uh, she was top five at state in Indiana. Now she's in basketball season and she plays uh, on, on her school's team, but she wants to finish out the cross country campaign in a big way. So she will run here at running lane and hopefully she'll qualify for, for the champ sports championships. I don't know. I think she'll, she'll be in the hunt here because she is an athlete. She's one of those gamers. So I'm going to put Gretchen Farley up there with the potential to do something really special too. But we will be looking out for the Garmin Running Championships, which will be on December 3rd at John Hunt Park in Huntsville. Ashley and I will both be there on site along with many, many different miles, but uh, colleagues of ours. And we're really excited for the, the event. We're going to move now to our next segment, and that is what's up this week? <laughs> and it's more regionals uh, across the country. Uh, we have both the the Team South Regional and the Southwest Regional. We're going to get first into the Team South Regional uh, situation here. And it's going to be at Bear Branch Park in the Woodlands on Saturday. So, Olivia, I will toss it to you first. What do you think is going to take place here at the South Meet? Well, what I think we all can agree on is in the South Regional, Texas is very well represented this year. South Lake Carroll, Lovejoy, Grapevine, Austin Vandegrift, Woodlands, Flower Mound, Copple, you name it. Like, they're they're all going to be here. Looking at the girls, I think the biggest question I have, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, we have Flower Mound that's coming off of this state title. How are they going to fit amongst this South region? You have South Lake Carroll for the girls' side as well that has an opportunity to bounce back stronger than where they were from the state championships. I think my biggest question is, like, with Flower Mound, we already know they have their top three solid girls up front. But what's going to happen with that fourth and fifth runner to kind of just 
you know, shift over and, you know, qualify for the South regional meet. So I'm really curious to hear, uh, Ashley, I'll kick it off to you. What do you think about this girls race with Flower Mound versus South Lake Carroll? And who's going to potentially grab this title here? Yeah, Olivia, that's my biggest question as well. You know, I was at the Texas State meet a couple weekends ago and just seeing how dominant, like the, you know, Nicole and Samantha Humphreys and then Alexandra Fox had, you know, the performance of her career there finishing third at the state meet. They go one, two, three there to win. But if they can, I think the key for them in order to win the South Regional is, like you said, to be get that four and five runner up closer to, you know, Fox there in third. That's going to be the key. And if South Lake Carroll can put together, you know, kind of bounce back from their second place finish at States and, you know, place, you know, runners ahead of those, you know, those four and fives for Flower Mounds, then I would say Carroll's going to get that win there. But, you know, I think it's going to be really entertaining. Like you said, Texas is so deep and, you know, the girls race, who knows? I could see Carroll pulling off, you know, the upset here. They, you know, have lost now twice to Flower Mound in a row, but hey, maybe third time's the charm. That's interesting that you say that because you, I don't know. I feel like you've been like on flower bound for, for the whole season. You've been pro flower bound. Now you're saying they're going to lose the Carol. I didn't say they were going to lose. I said, if certain things happen, they could lose. But yeah, I mean, I am, I do think like, especially when you have like a seeing, especially at state, seeing how well the Humphreys ran together. And I, they definitely put, they eased up on the gas there at the end so they could finish and basically tie together yeah. or whatever. Like that's, that was pretty cool to see. Well, I, I do, I think I do agree with your assessment here and I think it's going to be much closer than people realize. I mean, as you said, Flyer Mountain has won twice against Carroll, but the margins have been just razor thin mm-hmm. one point, I think at the regionals and like yep. 12, maybe at state. I, I do think the four and the five are crucial for Flyer Mountain, but what I really think mm-hmm. is crucial is that pivot in the middle of the lineup. Now, you know, we're talking about high school girls, so you don't want to put so much pressure on just one person. Uh, right. But the importance, mm-hmm. I think, there in that pivot is what might net them that victory. Now, you know, if you're a high school coach like Andrew Cook and you're going into your team saying like, hey, for us to qualify, we need to do X, Y, Z. Um, I think maybe just I, I think you just sort of get them in these the mentality of like we know we can do it we've done it before right don't put so much pressure yeah. on it. Um, I think Carol runs better as a pack, but but Flyer Mountain's beaten them twice already, so that's enough to know that you can do it again. So it's going to mm-hmm. be a really really interesting race because I, I think the margins are very small. Agreed. And mm-hmm. like when it boils down to it. It's just a team effort all around from everyone. And like whoever on the given day can put together the best team effort, that'll be your winner. Yeah. Yeah. So on the girls' side, obviously, you know, very, very strong uh, race there. Do we see any other teams besides Flower Mound and Carol kind of making a push? I think we got a few, right? I mean, looking Talk at us, it. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Corey. Oh, I mean, I, I think, you know, just looking at the overall girls teams, I mean, Lovejoy has already beaten Carol over the season. Uh, so I mm-hmm. think Lovejoy shouldn't be underrated in this race. I think they have the potential to to potentially get into that one or two position. And um, even beyond them too, Klein, 
Klein shouldn't be uh, an afterthought here too. They've had a great season. I think um, we could see them maybe making a run for that third or even second position. It, it, you know, it, it, it very easily on the wrong kind of day, somebody could fall off and that gives you an opportunity to step up. So I think Lovejoy and Klein on the girl sides definitely have opportunities here to sort of to make statements. Great. All right. So if we've talked about the girls at length, let's move on to the the boys side of things. Obviously going to be a very um, you know, depth-ridden race as well. Ashley, can you start us off here with the boys race? What what do you think it boils down to? Yeah, for sure. Looking first at the individuals, I'm just going to put one name out there. Kevin Sanchez. Kevin Sanchez is the real deal. He's coming off of that Rather viral, 6A, you know, Texas State title win a couple weekends ago. He had a great performance there. And I think he could potentially do something rather special here. He's been consistently the best guy in Texas all season. Ranked number 20 on our mile split 50 rankings currently. You know, he has that championship level experience. He competed at East Bay last year, finished 11th. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what Sanchez does. He'll also be key to an Oscar Vandegrift team who has performed really well as of late as a team. And I think they could maybe sneak up there in, um, you know, the team rankings as well. And then when I look at the, you know, the team storylines, again, we're talking about South Lake Carroll. And I, my question is just, will South Lake Carroll dominate, you know, basically like they've done this whole season. However, I think it's interesting to point out that they'll be competing against Grapevine, who just had a, you know, a really impressive showing at the state meet a couple weekends ago. And, um, you know, so I'll be really excited to see those two top talents in Texas. But then I want to mention Arkansas here for a second. We have Bentonville and Fayetteville boys teams that are both very good. Two of the best teams in Arkansas. And I think they could vie for some national bids as well. Olivia, do you want to move off of that point too? Do you have anything to add? Just kind of reiterating what you mentioned, Corey, when we were talking about the girls race, like they just got to, you know, just speaking of South Lake Carroll and just like they've been so dominant this whole season. It's just another race, right? Like just continue doing what you're doing because um, you've been successful up until this point. So just continue that momentum. But I like the fact that like Grapevine will be in this conversation as well. I think they're going to add some pressure as well. As you mentioned, Ashley, just coming off a great state championship uh, run there. So it's just going to be really exciting to see how this boys team's race unfolds. Corey, for you, what what should we expect from this boys race as well? So I do think Grapevine was slept on a little early in the season. They are now number 19 in our rankings. If you look at the top averages from the Texas State Championship, Grapevine and 5A actually had the best of them all. So Grapevine could go into this meet and actually win over Carroll. Uh, I think Grapevine has a really great pathway to success here at the the South Regional. Now, South Lake Carroll, I think, still is a, a wonderful team, and I think they 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 too have that opportunity to win. Um, but I, I don't, that number two position, I think, very easily could go to a, a list of teams. Um, the Woodlands actually performed better at states than I thought they would. So I think the Woodlands on their home course, mind you, they, they could really make a run. Vandegrift obviously is coming off a, a – uh, what were they, second at, at team states in Texas, right? Okay. Yes, yeah. And uh, Atascacita obviously has been like – they just haven't put it all together yet. I think they have one more meet here to do it. Yeah, Capel, as you said, uh, has been really good. But, I mean, I think the, the storyline here is who could steal a bid because 
there, there, when you look at the regions, nine of them total, there's always those teams that you don't expect to win. Hinsdale Central, for instance, in the Midwest, yep. stole stole that that from from Carmel in a positive way, obviously. But I think you could get a team here that could st- steal a bid from somebody who really has had a better season, and that might be the story of of the meet. Uh, I agree with Kevin Sanchez. I think he's the the top runner here. Uh, I think uh, there, there's going to be a mad dash to get those two, three, four, or five spots too for the individuals. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, moving on now to the Southwest uh, Regional, which is also taking place. It's moving from Casa Grande, which it has been for the past several years, to the Coyote Run Golf Course, which is just southwest of, of Phoenix. So a little closer to that Phoenix area for, for this race for the Southwest teams. And Olivia, I'll go to you first because I, I think you, you know, it's loaded. Is this race not loaded? <laughs> <laughs> Bold underline italicized the word loaded. This is a very, very deep region. Just to mention a few teams, Niwot, Air Academy, Arapahoe, Valor Christian. You got Mountain View in the mix, American Fork, Lone Peak, Orem Harriman. Like it's, they're all right here. They're all right here in the same region. So this is going to be a race to the finish individually. And also I think as teams, just kind of looking at the girls side, you have Emma Stutzman in here, Ella Hagen, Brooke Wilson, Bethany Mahalik, Isabel Alori. Like it's just a handful of girls' names and there's only five spots that are going to, to nationals here. So it's going to be a very tactical, fast race for sure. Just, you know, making sure that all the girls are in position to grab that title. And it's just going to be a race to the finish for both individually and as, as teams. Corey, what are your thoughts on this girls race? Cause I, I feel the same way here. I don't know who the heavy favorite is going into it. Cause it's just so loaded. Everyone has great resumes going into this regional meet. Yeah, I, I do think there's like a clear favorite for me. That's Niwot. I think, you know, when we've talked yeah, about Niwot, them, yeah. they're like they're like nine runners deep. And um, I think this could be one of those races where uh, I think Addison Ritzenhain uh, really sort of comes up and shines. You know, her, her dad uh, is Dathan. I mean, she's got a family history and she's really had a great freshman season so these freshman girls i think in the past have really shown brightly at these regional and national meets i think she's one that could do that for niwat here air academy i think i think safely is two here too um it is really deep the only other team i think that could maybe get in that two spot for me is is lone peak of utah or maybe american fork Mm. um but uh, I think Niwot, for me, is clearly one, and Air Academy uh, pretty much has a lockdown in two. Do you agree with that assessment at all, Ashley, or do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I definitely agree there on the Niwot. I really like Air Academy as well. Again, like we said, I feel like it's just – it reminds me a lot of the Midwest region where I feel like on the girls' side we had just a slew of, you know, girls that were right there together, and it just was kind of anyone's race. And if you look at this, you have, you know, two states in this region, Colorado and Utah, that – you know, I look at, and they were two of the deepest states this season, I feel like, you know, the just the, the list of talent, you know, both individually and as teams is so, so deep. And, um, you know, like Olivia mentioned, some of the top girls in the race could likely be Emma Stutzman, Ella Hagen, Brooke Wilson, Isabel Laurie, Bethany McCulloch. Um, You know, I think it's just going to be... Lauren, a- Lauren Pink should be up there too, I think. Correct, yes, of Arizona, yeah. yes. Pink. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's just, it's really, again, I think it could be, I think... This past weekend with the regionals, it, you're, there are a lot of upsets and maybe some shockers, and I think that could also happen as well this weekend. Yeah, it, let's move to the individual side on the on the in the boys race. I think there's 
a lot of guys who could come to the forefront, maybe win this race. Uh, but I think some guys could be left out too, because this is a really uh, deep field. Uh, Olivia, do you have any front runners on the boys' side? Goodness gracious. I, I have a handful here. Taysen Echo Hawk, and again, versus Liam Henninger, we've we've seen this battle all year, so it's just going to be exciting to see how it unfolds here at the regional meet. You also have Daniel Simmons, the 6A champion, will definitely, I feel like, be in the mix. Oh, my goodness. And then you just got – it's just a handful of kids, you know, a handful of teams that are going to be competing here. But I definitely feel like the front runners are going to be Taysen Echo Hawk, Liam Henninger, Daniel Simmons. They're just going to be the front runners. Um, and again, top five make it. So it's just going to be a push all the way through the finish there. Ashley, how about for you? What does it look like for you on the boys' side? I agree that I definitely think individually it's going to be a Utah show. If I had to pick a favorite, I'd probably go with Daniel Simmons there. But I'm really, again, intrigued to see, you know, Taysen Echo Hawk versus Liam Henninger. I, you know, they, so all three of them are from Utah, but, you know, they, Taysen and uh, Liam, they're in the 5A class, I believe, and then Daniel's in the 6A there at the American Forks. So they did not compete against each other at States, but it was uh, Danny Simmons who got the fastest time on that course on that day at the Utah State Championships all around. And I, he's one that, you know, he went, he moved, he transferred to American Fork this year, and he's just, I think he's surprised a lot of people this year. He definitely surprised me, and he's been, you know, shooting up the mile split 50 rankings, and I would say he's probably my favorite, but, you know, Corey, how do you see this shaping out as well? Yeah, I I agree that um, Simmons, for me, is, is going to be a favorite. I actually think he could place top 10 at nationals. I think he's he's one of the best runners in the country, for, and America Fork's one of the best teams. Um, but, yeah, that, that individual race could certainly, you know, show some, some prizes. I mean, I think a great example is the Midwest, where we saw two Iowa guys Yep. that we didn't necessarily think were going to be top five uh, really perform, and especially on, on Ford Washburn's account too. So you got some runners from Arizona uh, and New Mexico coming up to the Southwest region. Rendon Kuykendall is actually you know, one uh, I should definitely mention. I think he's got, he has a great uh, uh, resume on, on his, on his own. Arizona has some good runners. I think we could, we could see some guys that we, don't necessarily think are there, but they're just going to have great days. Now, Taysen Echo, for sure. I think he could win this alongside Daniel. But um, running on a golf course, it's going to be fast. It's going to yep. be extremely <laughs> fast. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm curious how how well it will run. On the boys' side, my other question on the team front is Harriman. They kind of um, had a setback at state. They didn't run like they, they wanted to. And they, I think they finished fourth in their, in their division. So you got Harriman coming back and kind of a bounce back motivated in a different way, call it redemption, whatever you want to say about it. But Harriman definitely is a good storyline to watch here. Um, I think American fork mountain view are, are two of the favorite teams uh, to, to win here at the uh, team regional. So we will, We'll see what happens. It, it's it's a, a, a wild dash to the finish, as always, and it's going to be a good race. Um, we are going to finish things off with a very fun segment, and we're moving it to the indoor track and field season. Now, we are one for hot takes and big predictions here at Milesplit, so we're going to offer our predict- some predictions of our own. So these are the way too early predictions for indoor track and field. I'm going to start here first uh, myself. And here's my first prediction. 
Marcus Riley will break 150 in the 800. He'll set the new national record in the 1K and the 1500, and he'll break four in the mile as a junior. Wow. Do you guys think that's a hot take? Do you think that's a hot take? <laughs> that's a just the, right there. the way you went through that, it was just like <laughs> one thing on top of the other. Yes. Like, yes, that is exactly. a hot take. Marcus Riley is going to come out with a statement-making season. Last year, as a sophomore, he went 151 in the 800. He set the number 10 all-time mark in the 1K as a sophomore, 224 last year. I think he's going under 222 this year in the 1K. That's going to be his first national record. But then he's going to go for 1,500. That's owned by Edward Cheswick. It's 345. Now, if he's going to break four minutes, he's got to run 343. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it on Marcus. He's going to run 343 in the 1,500 meters, and then he's going to break four minutes in the mile. I think Marcus has this on lock in 2022 and that's my first that's my one big take to start this segment ashley what's yours all right this is my take honestly i think it could even be a little conservative but at least four boys this season during indoor will go sub four minutes in the full mile last year we only we you know we saw one guy do it that was colin solomon ran 358 there were six guys under 403 when you're looking at stats but i think looking at the talent this year how athletes have progressed, especially during outdoor. I think I can pretty solidly say that this number is going to go up. You know, two guys have already done this before outdoors, Connor Burns and Simeon Birnbaum. And, you know, I've seen where they've talked about they want to go, they want to race together, you know, at least once or twice during indoors, you know, the future Oregon teammates. And I think they're going to be chasing that, you know, sub four mark for the mile. I could see plenty of others breaking this barrier too. Devin Kipiego, Rocky Hansen, they're right there. You know, the young brothers and Aaron Solomon, if they decide to go get an indoor meet and go after that, I think they can certainly do that as well. So I feel like it's fair to say that sub four is no longer as unexpected as it used to be. And, you know, there's a lot of variety of reasons for that, even indoors with, you know, more turns and it's a little bit more of a different race. So I feel pretty confident. It may be a hot take, but I feel pretty confident that at least four boys will go under sub four. That's a hot take right there. Is it a it's hot take if you're confident about it? <laughs> it, it? It's very interesting, the the thought process, actually, just breaking this down. Like, I just think it's really interesting. Like, the, the four? I can see, like, one or two. I think the biggest question here, like you mentioned, is, like, with the Young Brothers and Aaron, if they're going to actually compete individually indoor. I can see Connor Burns, the Silent Hawk, Devin Kipiego. I mean, yeah. Rocky Hansen. Didn't we have four I, last year? We had four last year, right? So indoors? It's not well not indoor? indoors. Indoor though. No, outdoor we had five. You see? Yeah. See, but okay. Ashley's talking about indoors. Indoor it's a different like ball game running minute. indoors. That's true. It is. That's true. You gotta find the it's right venue. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Venue, yeah. energy, that all plays a role into it. Okay. Interesting. Stay tuned for the indoor season. It is right around the corner. I'm going to kick things off with my hot take. I think Shanti Jackson is going to break the 300-meter indoor national record. And this is why I, I say this. As a junior, she has ran three 300 meters. She opened up with a 306. And then a month later at the BA Showcase, she ran a 36.95, which was the number two all-time behind Sydney McLaughlin's. 3682. We're talking tenths of a second here. And again, it, it comes down to the energy and the the venue and all the things. 
She's been to Virginia Beach, this Virginia Beach Sportsplex, a handful of times this year. So, you know, VA Showcase has been known to be the place for national records falling. So I don't know what Shanti Jackson's plan is at the moment when it comes to her race schedule. But like I said, this is a senior year. A lot of athletes their senior year want to leave with a bang. So that's my big prediction here for Shanti Jackson. She's going to break that national record held by Cindy McLaughlin. Corey, what is your next hot take? My next hot take is Maddox Ham will clear 18 feet, five inches in the pole vault this indoor season, finishing at U.S. number two all time, only behind Mono DePlantis. And he's going to be followed by Wyatt Stewart, who will also clear 18 feet, three inches, and he will bump up to U.S. three all time. Now, no one's going to touch Mondo. Like, no one is going to touch Mondo's high school records. That's kind of out of this world. But... Maddox cleared 18-1 indoors at the end of the last indoor season. And I, I think it's even conservative to say he's going to go 18-5 uh, as he's been working on different poles, getting stronger, working on technique. I think this guy, 18-5 by the end of the indoor season, number two all-time. Wyatt Stewart only cleared 17-7 last indoor season, but I think he's due for an upgrade. I have him going 18-3. He's going to Eventually head off to South Dakota State where Chris Nielsen also trained. This guy's going to be a, a unbelievable talent in a few years as well. So I think those two guys are really going to put it to the nation and they're going to raise the bar uh, in the indoor season. I like it. I can see that happening, Corey. I can see that. I think Maddox hey, can't be a hot. It can't. It can't be a hot take if he if he thinks it's going to happen. So maybe I'll, I'll bump it up to eighteen eight. <laughs> about, that? about that, he will take down Mondu Duplantis. Now that would be a hot take. Um, <laughs> so you know, my next hot take, staying on you know this theme of records. You know, Olivia said Shanti Jackson will take the three hundred meter record. The boys' four hundred meter indoor record is going to go down this year, guys, and it's going to be Zaire Nurdin who takes this record down of Montverde Academy in Florida. He will pass the mark of 45.92 set by Elsie Kozman almost 20 years ago in 2004. Nurden's already number three all-time on this list, guys. 46.04 at Adidas Track Nationals in March. And if he wants to go after that record, I mean, I think it is all for the taking for him. You know, he's gone sub-46 outdoors. He's the top returning long sprint talent in the country. He's one of our top recruits in the country as well. He has that star power, I think, and he is someone that, you know, I think if he were to toe the line against, you know, collegians, like right now as we speak, like he would be a favorite among those collegians, you know, just as a high school senior. So that is my bold prediction. He will end indoors as the new national record holder in the boys indoor 400. If if that Actually, I happens, like I, I, I think that's one of the best records of the year. Agreed. Like you said, it's been nearly 20 years since 4592 mm-hmm. has gone down. No one's, it, it's kind of, I think surprising to me that no one's gone under 46 for such a long time, but it just goes to show how, yeah. how hard it is. Also, in the 400, that race, you know, it it, it tends to be tactical because guys mm-hmm. want to win the race. Yeah. You know, in a national environment, they want to win the race. But to do this, you have to go out and, and set that tone and get after it. Even if you fall flat on your face at the end, you really have to get after it. Yeah. And when you just think about the 400 meters indoors, it's not like outdoors where you have your own lane. Like you literally have to race to get to the pole first. If you want to set yourself up for a good position, you got to hit it the first, you know, 
200 meters or so to make sure that you're setting yourself up so you don't get boxed in. There's just a lot of factors. So I actually really like that pick, Ashley. I feel confident in it. It's similar to Shanti's pick, right? Like just a few tenths of a second off of breaking it. You know, I'm a, if everything goes as planned, healthy, training great. Again, indoors is just around the corner and we can definitely see something like that happen. I'm on this train still of national records falling down again in the pole vault. Mole sisters, man. I think they're going to challenge that 15 foot foot performance here when it comes to that barrier. Amanda Mall and Hannah Mall both have done such an amazing job this last indoor season and in, even the outdoor season. But just looking at last year, Amanda tied the national record with a 14.9 indoors. And then Hannah is the number three all time with a 14.8. This is a new season. And we definitely have interviewed them a handful of times on our show. They just support one another. They push each other to new heights. So why not? 15 feet. That's what I think. That is my hot take right here. Both Mole sisters are going to hit the 15-foot barrier in the pole vault. That's my take. Why not? Why not? Why not? I think it could happen, too. I'm I'm all in for that that 15-footer. Yep. I think we, we are definitely pro-Mole sisters in 2022 and 2023. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's been fun with you ladies. It's been another big show. Um, and we're getting excited for national postseason, which is rare to go now. Uh, anything left to say here? Are you, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Ending thoughts here. Ending thoughts. I'm just excited. I, I love cross country and it's coming down to like the best. It's like the best month of the season for cross country. It is. It absolutely I'm excited. Is, yeah. November's the best month. Yeah, I'm excited to lots of great performances already. I'm excited to see what the South and Southwest regional meets, you know, how it all unfolds this weekend. And then before you know it, it's going to be nationals and it's just going to be, you know, going after that gold at that point. So I'm excited. All right. Stay tuned for more content on milesplit.com over the week and we'll have coverage from all around the U.S. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with you next Tuesday. See ya. 